Internet, you're tuned into episode 98 of the Potscast. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always on this beautiful Sunday morning by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. Normally, an evening show. Today? Yeah. Bright and early. Bright, bright well, and early. Well, for you, I mean... It's, it's grey and rainy and half past three on a Sunday here. Well, it is a bright, sunshiny day here in the United States of America, and uh, we'll talk about why on, uh, on this week's After Dark, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but on this show, we're here to talk about Nintendo, so welcome to the Potscast, Loot Pots weekly Nintendo podcast where we get together and talk about, well, just all things video games, really. Uh, so... We've got uh, we've got some games to talk about this week. We've got some questions from you. We've got Nintendo's uh, latest financial report. So quite quite a stacked show. Uh, so we're gonna hop right into that. But before we do, let me just quickly tell you where you can find us all around the web, how you can support the show. Of course, the easiest way to show your support is to give us a like on your platform of choice, share the show with a friend. If you've got a Nintendo fan in your life and you think they'd enjoy what we do here on the show every week, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you'd go and. Uh, you know, let them spe- spread the gospel. Let them know that we're out here and we're doing a show that you enjoy every week. And of course, uh, you can also head over to wherever you get your podcasts and give us a nice review. We love it. It helps the show get uh, recognized. More people listening uh, helps us do more content for you guys. So um, those are the easiest ways for you to show your support. Of course, if you want to get some more content from us, uh, head over to the YouTube channel. Head over to the Twitch channel where every Thursday night, um, well, night, my time, really late night steve's time uh we've been we've been streaming games and having a good time over there uh with with everybody in the community so we hope you'll come be a part of it and check out some of the other stuff we do if you've only ever tuned into the show here and of course if you want to go above and beyond to show your support and also get a little bit of extra loot pots in your rss every week you can head over to our patreon patreon.com slash loot pots where for just a buck you can get access to our patreon exclusive show after dark where steve and i keep the mics rolling and we talk about other stuff uh, this week. I don't. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Really slow week in the, in in the states here right now. So uh, I I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to fill that air with with something. But uh, I think we'll find a way. So if you want to uh, be a part of that conversation, you want to get a little bit more of us every week. That is the best way to do it, and it helps keeps the mics the mics and the lights on over here at loopots.com. So that's enough shilling for now. Let's get into what we're playing this week. I. I've been playing Pikmin 3. I beat Pikmin 3. That's not the headline. No, that's not the headline. Listen, Steve started playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. So let's talk about that, (laughs) and then we can talk about Pikmin. Okay? So you finally are playing Fire Emblem, Steve. What house did you choose? How are you finding it? How far in are you? I am seven hours in. So not that far, I don't think, in in terms of the game. Overall, um, not very far, but that's a lot farther than you made it before, so I'm proud of you. Yeah. Oh, I actually picked a house this time, so I'm, I'm with Golden Deer, Claude's house. Yep. There you go. And, You're on the right was, side of history. That was, that was wholly because I liked him more than anyone else. Like, the the blue guy was all, I'm a noble, blah, blah, blah. We only like royalty. And I can't remember what put me off the woman. Um, I, I think what. it's because... I. I I don't know about Ooh, you. She was all. She was all. Empire. The empire's the best. Blah blah blah. Banging yeah. on about an empire. I, and so I didn't. I didn't like her for that reason. I, I had the same exact feeling the first time where I was like, I don't like that. Like he's too stuffy, and I feel like she's like too aggressive. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I went with. It was really weird that they kind of make you pick an allegiance there before. You even know what any of them are, and like it, it makes you kind of side with one of them, and you give yeah, it gives you that little like boost of like they like you boost kind of thing when mm-hmm. you're having the conversation with them, and then immediately after it goes to a cutscene explaining what the three houses are and what the Leicester Alliance is and what it, all those various three different regions are, and then that's when you can ultimately go through and you see the the cutscene the the woman in the um the monastery. And you get to choose who you want to teach. Yeah. Lady Rhea. Lady Rhea. This game's so horny. What was with that teacher that, like, wears hardly anything? And there was this bit where her, like, boobs are jiggling about. And I'm like, what the fuck? Is this a Nintendo game? <laughs> and they're showing her walking along with her tits bouncing and some kids smirking at it. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I forget. I had I had a nickname for her when I was playing the game that was like making fun of the fact that she was super horny. <laughs> like, <laughs> like immediately, I spoke to her and she just wanted to get in my pants. 
Yo, because I'm playing as a, I'm playing as a guy, so I presume she only does that to the guy, and not if you play as a woman. I think so. I'd be interested to know though. I might go back and and play as a female after and see if she she makes the same moves. I don't think she does. There are some characters who are romanceable as a woman, though. Like, sorry, you get what I'm trying to say. There, yeah, there yeah, yeah. you have some women that you can romance as female Byleth. Yeah, um, interesting. I know the game definitely got some flack for like not having as many options for male Byleth because I'm pretty sure there's only like two, and one of them is like very much like it feels like very like uh, you could imply maybe that they're that they're together, but like not as explicitly, yeah. you know. And it's not surprising it's a Japanese game, and you know they're super comfortable with <laughs> with homosexuality over there, so. Uh, <laughs> That's- Something that seems a bit, bit problematic, though, is it's like I seemingly am able to like date students at some point. You or, like they seem to be coming on to me, yeah, which is so, very strange. It, so it is strange. It's and like I remember talking about this a lot, like when it was like hot and being like, yeah, like it's uh, it's not great, but the way that they sidestep it is because you know that there's the the time skip that happens eventually. And no, I didn't know that, but okay. What? Oh my god, I'm sorry. I, talk, I, I talked about, about this, this game, game for a year. Like, I can't <laughs> believe you don't remember that. Uh, well, yeah, at some point there's a time skip, and then none of the romance stuff happens until after that. And, like, okay. they make a very, very big point of saying that it's like, oh, we're, like, basically the same age. It's weird that you're yeah, a I've teacher. Yeah, I've had that a few times. Yeah. Apart from one person saying, like, I'm two to three years younger than everyone else in the class. I can't remember who that was. Like, say the she was like, yeah, she was telling me that she was younger, and I was like, oh, I didn't know. And she's like, what, you didn't even pay attention? And I'm like, come on, fucking hell, there's like 30 of you. <laughs> she's you very intense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying at the moment get other people over to my house, but I don't think I can. I think it's way too early in the game. Yeah, you should put groundwork in for the characters you want to get. Yeah. I want I want Ash from the Blue House because he seems like a nice person. He's like a commoner that was adopted into nobility. Yeah. He seems like really down to earth, so I like him. He's a nice I wanted boy. him over. But um other than that I can't really say that there's anyone else I've been massively like I don't know, interacting with. Yeah. So just like make sure that you spend time with him when you have free time and give him gifts and all that stuff and you know, the more that you can forge that bond <laughs> the better because yeah. like it's definitely something that like i didn't put as much groundwork as i wanted to in the beginning so like there were people i wanted to get over that i just couldn't you know um but for reasons i won't get into for spoilers um it's definitely good to have characters that like you like at least somewhat that you don't end up getting on your side because it ends up being more dramatic later. <laughs> okay. Okay. How, like, how far in am I then? Like I've just defeated Lenato. Okay. That's, that's still pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was. I'd I say kind of got the impression it was. Like, they've only recently, like two battles ago, introduced the battalions mechanic and I'm slowly like leveling everyone up and giving them more classes. So pretty much everyone's now got a class. So I've put them through their exams and stuff that they yeah. do. I've got to say I'm enjoying the the battles a lot more than the social side, which I thought was going to be the other way around. Interesting. I thought I was going to enjoy the social stuff a lot more, but it, I don't know. It seems a little bit two D. There's not really much there that you can't. You can talk to the people and you can learn about them, but other than that, it's 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 not like I feel like in Persona Five. I feel like I'm learning a lot about them. I'm spending a lot of time with them. Like I can invite them to say have lunch with me in the in the dining hall, but I don't really learn anything about them. Their morale just goes up. That I don't gets... know if there's some other way to do it or it improves, but at the moment it feels like I'm I can talk to them while I'm exploring the monastery. But other than that, there's no real other way to learn about them other than just to, like hearing two sentences up from them. So you you haven't gotten any of the I forget what they're called the cutscenes yet. No, not really. What is it called? It's a thing. It's like a menu you have to go to to look at them. Um, oh my god, I have to. Look I don't this. think so. Like I've just had tea with someone for their birthday. That was like the uh, that's only just been unlocked. Prior to that, the only thing I could do on their birthday was send them a bunch of flowers. But I just had tea with the with the girl with the like green ice cream hair. Oh, um, Flane. Yeah. 
what the hell are these? I really wish Sarah was upstairs so that I could scream <laughs> up to her and ask her. She's going to like, she'd be screaming down at me right now. Um, but but that's what I feel like I'm missing at the moment is I'm not really having any of those, like any real interaction with people. Like I do the activities, but it's like, oh, you went fishing or you sang in a choir with them. Yeah. And the morale goes like, up. Those are just there to like. It's just support, training. Support. Essentially, it's, it? They're called support conversations, I think. Um, no, I've never had one of those. Yeah, so what, when you're a little bit further in, or maybe you have to like open up the menu and go, because there's specifically a menu you have to open and go and activate them and like watch them at your leisure. They don't just happen in the game, um, which is nice because then you can kind of like parse them out how you want to. But uh, those will happen as you advance a character's relationship. So there's like, um, it's like a D support, a C support, a B support, an A support, and then an S support for characters that are romanceable. I did get like a thing that said support level has risen or something. Okay, then you need to go. You need to open up your menu and with, watch them. That was with some girl who said she didn't want me to take her onto the battlefield because she felt weak and stuff and blah, blah, blah. So I like spoke to her and she was telling me that her like brother was strong. Marianne. And was telling her. Yeah, so I spoke with her. And then after that, it said her support, your, your Stevens and Marianne's support level has risen. But then I guess I need to then go into a menu. To, yeah. So the to next time you uh, that you play, go to the pause menu and there's like a supports thing. That's so weird. Yeah. Did it tell you to go there at any it point It does in the tell game? you, but if you don't know what that means when it tells you, you're probably like, okay, whatever. You know, like I remember I did I that. I think with... that's what it was. Like there are so many menus. That's my one criticism, I yeah. think, is that one, the text is teeny weeny. And when I'm playing this handheld, I need like a magnifying glass to see it. <laughs> and two... There are so many menus. It's so much reading of rules and mechanics and instructions. And it doesn't do a great, it's not a great way of teaching you. There's no like in-game way that it teaches you. It is essentially, hi, here, welcome. You're about to start a battle. Here's six pages of stuff you need to know in order to equip your people, pick which units you want, put them onto the field in the order that you want. And then like, it told me about that whole ZL thing to like um boost it i had no fucking idea what it what it did and then i found out there's basically an undo button and you can just like scroll back and yeah it takes you back to somewhere well i only found that out after two people died and so like i, I undid it and it was like whoop go all the way back oh okay good i was like please tell me you didn't have people die already because that's terrible <laughs> no they haven't no, i even turned off permadeath because i was not playing with that no way it was it was only one of the practice battles. Okay, that's fine. But you should have permadeath on. That's like that's like you gotta have. Stakes. I'm not having permadeath on. No way. I don't want to lose any of these people. Well, that's why you. That's why you use the. Uh, Is that the, the divine the, pulse? Yeah. yeah, the the, the divine the, pulse. That's what it's, yeah, called. That's what it's called. Yeah, I had. I can't even remember what that was. It's all very strange. But I'm enjoying it so far. I don't know how much more I'm going to go in. There's some settings I think I need to tweak because the battles take forever. The animations are so long and oh, I know yeah, I can probably turn them you off. Can, you can fix that. There's a there's a way to like speed through so that whenever the opponents move, it's like dot, 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 you know. That's what I need to do. Because yeah. I turned the grid on because I found it a little bit strange not knowing 100% where I could go. So I turned that on pretty much straight away. But I just need to go in and tweak some of the settings, I think. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, you, so you said you don't know how much further you're going to go? Like, you don't think you're going to see it through? Only because I know I've got a new Xbox arriving on Tuesday. And I'm probably going to want to jump on that immediately. But this might be a great game to play in bed. Like, I've been exactly. playing in bed. And it is nice to just go, oh, I'll just play a day. And I can pick and I can either explore in the monastery or yeah, do keep, a seminar or do keep whatever. Keep playing. Keep playing. Because, like, you're just you're just getting to, like the point where it starts letting you off the leash a little bit more, you know? Because like you said, you're seven hours in. Like the game, it took me like 50 hours, I think, in my first run. Okay. So that's like, a good size game, I think. And that's, you probably did quite a lot of stuff. You didn't speed through, so. Yeah. So you could probably uh, get it done a little bit quicker than that. I think so. But I, I know, I already know I kind of want to view it from other angles so I can see why Sarah's played it like four times oh, now yeah. because I can, I, there's definitely other story there and things you can explore. So well, I, I do understand that. And each time, uh, each I don't, I almost said each timeline, but like each, each house that you choose, like the story is totally different. It's not just like yeah. now you see things from their perspective, but it's the same events. It's like each one has a totally different set of events, which is really cool. Did you pick the DLC up for this? I did not, because it came out after I had beaten it, and I haven't played it a second time, because 
you know, every time I've thought about it, Sarah's in the middle of another run. <laughs> so it's like right now she's replaying Breath of the Wild. I had an o- I had a window open to grab it again, but I I didn't want to I didn't want to start it when I knew that there was going to be the new consoles around the corner, and yeah. I was afraid that I was going to just like dip out on it. You know, I'm glad I started it. I really am. I'm glad I persisted through it. I don't think it's a great start to the game. There's a lot you have to like read and get through before you get to really the meat of the game. It's a very slow burn yeah. before they really do let you off the leash. But I mean, and like, only now, like, I, only now I've unlocked more options where it shows me like 50% of people who played this did this on this day. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do that because I really don't know what any of it means, but I just picked the one that everyone did. I mean, that's not a bad way to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I definitely get what you're saying. It, it, it reminds me of kind of, the slow burn intro of like personas like that as well. And I don't really think there's a way for you to do it any differently because there are so many systems and things that it needs to teach you that if it just let you off the leash, like we were just talking about how you, you didn't like you were told what supports were and how they worked and how you were supposed to watch them, but you didn't clock it. And now you, you know what I mean? So it's like, if it gave you any more information than it already gave you, you'd be totally lost. And if it gives you less, it will be more of a slow burn. So it's like, how do you reconcile those things? You know? Yeah, that's a fair point. It is just a loss of text. And I really wish you could just bump it up two pixels or something. Yeah. I I mostly played it docked. So I didn't like usually have that problem. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's definitely, it's like one of the, the drawbacks of, of handheld mode. Yeah. But I'm glad, I'm glad you're having fun with it. I'm glad you finally, uh, took the plunge. And I picked the right house, right? Yeah, you did. You're on the right side of history. I know, I know Zade won't agree with, with us and he'll yeah, be well, saying, uh, he'll be writing in next week and saying, oh, you should have picked, uh, Edelgard. Yeah, well, I've 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 told Zade plenty about how his opinion's wrong on that one. So, yeah. <laughs> look, I'm just saying, like, if you want to side with an empire and be a bootlicking fascist, fine, pick Edelgard. But if you want to be cool and fight for you know a free society where uh, it's not based on class or family, then you know the Leicester Alliance is for you. So, so, so how is Pikmin three? then because i know you were really excited about this game you you played the demo just so you could unlock the ultra spicy mode straight away did you play ultra spicy from the beginning i did i I played the whole thing on ultra spicy and uh it is so much harder on ultra spicy so um i don't remember if this is a limitation of hard mode or not but i played the demo on normal and the base, like you're allowed to have a hundred Pikmin on the field, is is like historically been the the rule. And in Ultra Spicy, you're only allowed to have sixty. Oh wow! So it's like you're you have a lot less power when you're in the field. It's uh, like carrying things around takes a lot longer. Like you have to be a lot more careful about your time, um, which I liked because you know, like if you just want like a chill experience like pikmin's great for that but as somebody who you know does have history and has played the first two like i i kind of wanted a little bit more of a challenge and on ultra spicy like it it didn't make it like really really hard until the end like the last uh level and the the boss fight that goes around with it i was like okay like this was this was a a bit of a challenge It, it took me like several times before i found uh, a strategy that worked for me because specifically the level that you have to to do before the last boss fight is like uh i don't know like i don't want to like spoil it but i kind of want to talk about like mechanically what's going on in it i mean at the end of this at this point i think it's a what eight-year-old game that's fair you're right okay so uh, th- what happens is you you fight this like blob-like creature that's like following you constantly and you like have to clear a path for yourself to escape this tree that you're in and you have uh I I won't get into some of the specifics because that's it probably veers into spoiler territory but essentially the way that I figured out was like you need to break up your squad in such a way where you have one person who's it's chasing and you constantly just loop around so that it 
can't get that person. And then you have the other two people go split up and clear the path so that you can all regroup and escape. And it took me like several attempts before I finally got that rhythm down and was like, okay, like I know what the three stages of this level are that I need to get through and like what is the most efficient way to do them because I kept getting farther every time and then like running out of day and be and like being okay great like didn't make it you know so finally I got that rhythm down was able to beat it got to that last boss and 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 wrapped it and uh and I I really enjoyed it like there's still stuff for me to do um I know when we first talked about it there are uh, two additional side story missions that they added. So there's like a whole um, what Olimar and Louis were up to before the events of Pikmin 3. And then there's like an epilogue that comes after that. I did the what they were doing before because the way that they present it is like there's a menu when you get to the story mode. Uh, where you like go to choose where you're going to land and what level you're going to play on that day. And there's actually like a button right there where um, you can just like hop into the Olimar and Louis stuff and like kind of go back and forth. So I was just like doing those like every couple days so that I was like getting the Olimar story as I was playing the main story so that when they came together, eventually I would be like caught up on what happened. So then now that I beat it, I unlocked like the post story. So I have to still do that. Um, and then there's like still some stuff for me to do. Like I didn't hundred percent all of the levels. Like there's still like collectibles that I could go find and, you know, I didn't get a hundred percent of the fruit and all that stuff. And, you know, I'll probably dip back in and get those done. Um, just because I think I had like 87% completion when I, when I beat the game, which is fine. You know, like if I never touch it again and like, that's what the experience I got, then like, that's, that's chill. Um, but because I do like Pikmin so much, I'm sure I'll dip in and, and like chip away at that stuff at some point. I definitely am yeah. going to go back and play the uh, the epilogue stuff, but I just like haven't really. You know, it's been a busy week, and I just really haven't like had the itch to to play that much lately. You know, I've been like watching TV and like movies and stuff. Yeah, I've been a bit anxious. Like- yeah, and like a little bit low energy. You know, like I've I've not been sleeping great, so like it's just I I'm I'm not like super in that. Oh, like I'm I'm done, and I want to jump into a game right now, you know, especially because it's not the main crux of the narrative anymore. It's like, I'm sure I have like three or four epilogue missions and then I'll be done, you know? Um, So, you know, I'll probably... Honestly, that's how I find myself a lot with DLC. So it's always just like, oh, I'll get to it at some point. I I, I usually with games do the main story, maybe a couple of side quests, but when DLC comes out, I just, I really find it hard for me to go back to a game even if it came with the DLC, like uh, Pikmin 3 obviously did, if it's not included in the game as if this is a sequential thing, you just carry on and do it. I, I do sometimes find it difficult to go in. Even like The Last of Us, for example, like, I don't think originally when it came out, I played Left Behind. It, was, it wasn't until the remaster came out on PS4 that I ended up playing Left Behind. Mm. Yeah, for me, it really depends. Like... Uh... In the, in the scenario of Pikmin 3, I think in if, – if I had started playing it two weeks ago, I probably would have already finished that stuff because I was, like, real, real into it. And that's why I beat it so quickly. Like, I was playing it every night for a couple hours. Um, but, like, when there's distance between a game and its DLC, that usually hurts it for me. Like, we've talked about um, – horizon a few times and like i never played the forbidden wilds dlc because it came out like six seven months after the game and all my muscle memory was gone so i like came into a part that was harder than any part of the main game but i didn't remember how to play and i got my fucking clock cleaned and i was like "Ah, i'll come back to this later and then i just didn't you know um we can talk about on on after dark but do you think that's the kind of game you would go back to on your ps5 if they brought out like a remastered edition of horizon i think i might go back even if they don't because i love that game and i would love to play it again before horizon 2 but we can talk more about that in after dark um but yeah so i mean i i i love pikmin i'm a pikmin fan but i really really do um I do think people should check the game out. Like, I know it's, uh, you know, we're, we're right on the heels of the next gen, and I think it kind of came out at an unfortunate time, you know, where it doesn't seem like it's getting 
as much attention as as I think I would like it to. So, you know, if you're a listener and you drive with my my tastes in games at all, uh, and you're looking for something to play on Switch, I would definitely recommend Pikmin 3 and, like, keep an eye out for it, you know? Like, maybe if you're not ready for it right now, throw it on the wish list, get it on a sale, you know, use some Nintendo and coins. Even- even if you're not sure, there's a demo on the eShop. So go try that at least because it's yeah. like the whole first chapter, right? I think. Yeah, it's like or the first, the first like, day. It's like the first three days maybe or something like that. It's yeah. like it's a pretty significant demo. Like it's like at least an hour or two of gameplay. And you unlock Ultra Spicy and some other fun stuff with that. So worth doing anyway. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I, I loved it. I had a great time with it. It was like exactly the game I needed right now. You know, like I had like played a bunch of indie stuff coming off of Persona and I was kind of in the mood for something a little bit more substantial, but not 50 hours of Fire Emblem or something like that. So like Pikmin being like an experience that I got through and like I think it was like I think my play clock was like maybe 12 hours for for the whole thing. That's quite a short game then. I thought it would have been longer than that, to be honest, especially in Ultra Spicy. I thought it would have taken you a bit longer. Well, I think if you... I think if you hadn't played Pikmin before or you didn't have the level of experience with it that I have, it would probably take you longer. And I also think that um, you could probably get like I could probably get another four or five hours out of it if I went back and 100 percent at all the levels. Yeah. Plus, there's oh, the yeah, it's, no, it's no and no slight on it. Like, I don't think valuing a game based on the amount of time you put in is ever a good thing to do. It's just it is shorter than than I think pretty much any Nintendo game I can think of that's out on on Switch like a f- single player experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, which I which I, like I said I liked I wanted that right now, but uh, but I do think like if that number turns you off, I think like there is, I think it's probably more likely that you'll spend fifteen to twenty hours with it than twelve if you're yeah. you know. Um, if you're you not feel like you want to get your money's worth out of it, you yeah. will you will do it. And and especially again, like if you're not somebody who has played Pikmin before and knows like all the ins and outs of like, you know, okay, like these Pikmin do this and these Pikmin have this ability and like they have these side abilities that you might not know about, or like you don't like get the rhythm of like switching characters as quickly as I did, because I, I knew that that's what you're supposed to do. Like, those are all things that you know, me being a little bit more experienced, I think made me get through things quicker than I might have otherwise. Before we move on to the news, what's your favorite Pikmin? <sighs> That's a tough question. They all yeah. have their they all have their own little their own little quirks. I think I think probably the yellow ones with the big ears. I think they're Oh yeah, they're I guess cute. yeah. I'm having a quick look to see which ones I like. I liked the rock Pikmin. I like them I too they because cool. they're I like that they're like big chonky boys, but they have yeah, little yeah. tiny feet. Like they got these little nubs. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Other than that, the yellow one is the is the differential. Yeah, the red one's the only one with a nose, which is strange. And the blue ones are the only ones with a mouth. They all have one thing that's like different. Yeah. Uh strange. I really like the pink Very ones strange. in practice. Like the flying Pikmin are super useful. Uh, especially on ultra spicy, makes it like so much easier to move things around to get that. around the place. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't like, like the white ones with the red eyes. Oh my god, I forgot about them. Why weren't they in Pikmin three? <laughs> I don't know. But they are they are creepy as the fuck with the ones, red eyes, right? With the red eyes and the like, uh, the green leaf on the top. Yeah. Oh my god! I yeah, I, he's poison. I totally forgot about them. Huh. They're a trophy in Smash as well, apparently. They are. They they are in Pikmin 3. What? Yeah. Yo. White Pikmin's resistance to poison and ability to spot underground treasure is never put to use in Pikmin 3. But they are in Pikmin 3. Along with purple Pikmin, white Pikmin do not have a unique voice in Pikmin 3. They're I- there somewhere, you just haven't found them. I forgot about purple Pikmin too, because I was I the rock Pikmin like replaced them kind of. And I totally forgot that it hasn't always been rock. It was purple before. What the fuck? Oh, my God. Where are they? How did I miss them? <laughs> See, have to go there's, back stuff, to there's all the stuff I or, haven't done yet. <laughs> or DM Pixel and find out because he'll know. He's like the Pikmin um, 
like head trivia guy. Damn. Except I don't think he's played Pikmin one or two. I think he came he's on. Just on played three. Pikmin three. I think so. Wow. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Here's it says in Pikmin three, purple Pikmin only appear in mission mode and bingo battle. So that's probably the same as the white ones. Then that's probably why you haven't found them. Yeah. Yeah, probably. You haven't played any of that co-op multiplayer stuff yet. Not the co-op. Um, yeah, or the yeah. Bingo battle. No, yeah, I mean, I want to, thing. but Sarah's not really interested, so that's really the only person I have to play with. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to get, well, I'll have yeah, to get, uh, definitely at the moment, yeah. I'll have to get Mike or somebody over to play with me. Damn. It's a shame it's not online, because that would be a perfect Twitch game. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I bet you that the white and purple ones show up in, in the, the epilogue stuff that I haven't done yet now that I'm looking at this or just the multiplayer, but either way, I can't believe I forgot about them. <laughs> like, I really can't believe that. Like, wow. Cool. Well, anyway, Pikmin three highly endorsed. I'm glad it finally made its way to switch. Uh, I hope that you will buy it and other people will buy it so that we get more Pikmin because I love Pikmin and I really want Pikmin four. You're not getting Pikmin 4 until the next generation, I don't think. Same as like everyone asking for Mario Kart 9. It's not happening. It's never going to happen. I'm fine if it takes until next gen. I just want it eventually. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. All right, so let's jump into the news. Uh, pretty short news um, week this week, aside from the quarterly stuff, which we'll jump into on our main topic. But there was one thing we wanted to highlight. Uh, Hori, who um, you, know, you probably know as the creator of... Uh, a lot of good third-party controllers. You know, we've talked about Hori quite a bit, um, you know, especially in the old days. And uh, they have a new controller out for Switch that is the uh, like accessibility, adaptability controller that is, you know, very, very much inspired, I think, by Microsoft's adaptive controller, uh, which, you know, is... Which was like really, really touted as as a huge, huge victory for for disabled gamers, you know, who uh, need alternative control schemes. And you look at this thing, and like it's definitely got pretty similar vibes to that. Um, it doesn't have the they have that like that like rubber like touch. Pad yeah, yeah, thing. It's the, they're like two big circles. Basically, it looks like they took a an Xbox Series S and they put like an, another black circle on top of the <laughs> yeah. Microsoft one, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's not quite like that. It's more button oriented. Um, to be honest, I could see that this would also be useful for people who want to make like a homemade arcade thing. Yeah, like a, it's just a like fight a pad. D-pad. Yeah, it looks like it, doesn't it? You got the YXL BAR on the front with the D-pad. You could easily use it for something like that. But I love, I love that there are, is an, a, a way for people to play Switch who weren't able to play it previously because. It's been a. There's been times when, um, and even before, like they, it, you couldn't even remap the buttons until I think it was the last major update on Switch. It's n- it's not always been at my um, Nintendo's kind of forefront of fault. F- fault. It's sometimes a that they're a little bit lacking in the accessibility department, especially like say for example the Mario 3D All Star stuff. You couldn't even invert the controls until recently. So, they patched yeah. that in. Um. Yeah, and I, I, they have uh, some pictures where, like, there's plugs that you can put in the side to... There's, like, a whole, whole row of, um, of uh, like, three three five five inputs, you know, like mic jacks uh, or headphone jacks kind of thing. And you can plug um, additional buttons in or, like, joysticks. So, like... It looks like you have a ton of ability to kind of control uh, what the setup needs to be for you, which is obviously so important with these controllers is that like, you know, um, not every disabled gamer has the same limitations. So like, you know, it gives you that ability to really tailor that experience to what you need it to be so that you can have the best experience, you know? Um, So I... I, I love to see this stuff. I really love when companies make an effort to do that because, uh, like you said, I, I think it's it's way too often 
that that accessibility is like an afterthought. And like, you know, I, I think especially in a post um, Last of Us 2 world, I think that there's like less and less excuse for that over time, you know, where we know that there are disabled gamers um, and, and lots of them. And uh, shout out to Able Gamers, great charity that exists specifically to help gamers uh, who are disabled get a control scheme that works for them and get them playing again however they need to. And um, when you see this initiative from, you know, companies like Microsoft or Hori, you know, that's really, really great to see. And and it's super important um, to me because, you know, I, I, I hate how exclusionary video gaming can be. And like, it's such a, it's such a, a great hobby and like, you know, an, an art form that it, it bums me out when anybody is precluded from enjoying it or feels like they're, you know, not able to enjoy it. Uh, so seeing these, these solutions becoming more commonplace is, I think really, really important and a, and a great step forward for, for this industry and for this medium, you know, because, um, you know, nobody should be, should be kept out from the, from the, from the fun, from the party, you know? And I think especially like if you're somebody who is, is like, um, uh, like significantly disabled to the point where like mobility is limited and all that kind of stuff, you know, like, uh, video games are like such a an amazing way to like have that sense of like exploration and adventure and like you know i i feel like especially for like young kids in that situation you know where like you probably have that feeling like you're missing out on stuff like it's one less thing that you have to feel that way about you know so i um i i really applaud hori for this and i'm i'm glad to see it finally there be a solution on switch yeah, same same here. I think that's why we just wanted to to touch upon it and just bring awareness to it. If you do have like a, a disabled friend or family member in your life who you really want to say get them playing Breath of the Wild or or Mario Odyssey for the first time, then this is, there is now an option. Um, it's quite expensive. It's one hundred and eighty pounds or two hundred and thirty dollars. But I think if you've been missing out on on playing the games you really want to, it's something to something worthwhile. And I think people will invest in it. And to be honest, based on the price and and what I've heard about the Microsoft uh, adaptive controller, it seems to be that that there's not much profit to be made in in these these adaptive controllers because they are usually done on such a small uh, small scale. Um, but it's it's good that there there are people making them um, because they, there is definitely a need for them. Yeah, absolutely. So just just a little bit of a PSA there, and uh, shout out to Hori for for putting the work in because it it looks like a, it looks like a solid solution to the problem. All right, so let's jump into the main topic. Nintendo's quarterly uh, reports are out, and there is some. Uh, not, not surprising news, I guess. We've been talking all year about how Nintendo's been fucking slaying it, uh, like, financially. So, um, some big numbers, though. So, Switch has officially sold six, six, sorry, I almost said 600, not that, 68.3 million units after 43 months on the market, which has now made it officially outsold the NES, which is awesome, um, you know, I think we we knew that that was coming. It's very much on track to be uh, in competition with the Wii for overall sales. We talked about that a few months ago, but um, seeing those numbers go up on you know this of all years, where uh, a lot of industries and and mediums are suffering, great to see. Uh, so. 6.85 million units of Switch hardware were sold in Q2 from July to September alone, which is a record uh, quarter two for Nintendo and beats the previous record of 6.79 million, which was held by the DS. You love to see it, uh, especially considering, again, that the DS is their most successful handheld console. So the fact that it's uh, keeping up and competing and breaking records that that has is awesome to see. You love to see it. And... Um, this also matches revenue of Q2 2008, which was D during the Wii DS era. Um, but the profits are actually higher than they were then. So insane, insane. absolutely insane. And uh, we also saw Nintendo raise its forecast for the year based on strong performance in the first six months from 100. Or, 
I keep wanting to say 100. I don't know what's up with me today. Uh, 1.2 <laughs> billion yen to 1.4 billion yen, which is not a huge increase, but you know, uh, you're usually a lot more likely to see companies, especially like this year when you're thinking pandemic status, right? Uh, adjust those profits in the opposite direction, not yeah. be like, we're doing even better than we thought on this uh, a year that Nintendo's been criticized for things being a little slow. So seeing them keeping it strong um, and, you know, and continuing to see the success of the Switch and the, on the promise of that Switch is, is great to see. Uh, so there was some in- information about software as well that's worth calling out. Uh, Animal Crossing has now overtaken Smash Brothers as the number two seller with 26.04 million copies sold. Uh, chomping at the heels of Mario Kart 8. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is at 28.99. So uh, I... I'm going to be a little bullish and say that I, I think there's a good chance that this holiday season we might see Animal Crossing overtake it. Granted, Mario Kart might sell a ton more copies too, but great, uh, great, 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 great problem to have. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but the year on year, year sales, <clears throat> excuse me, the year on year sales when we get to it of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe up 145% on what it was last year, it's still selling like crazy. That game yeah. just sells copies like no other game we've ever seen isn't that insane 145 percent increase year over year yeah. of a game that like is what like eight years old <laughs> yeah it came out a release year of the of the wii u 2013 i think so yeah still selling years. god bless them uh so then there were some uh updates on some of the newer games from this year uh mario 3d all-stars has sold 5.21 million copies um surprising no one <laughs> I wonder how many of those copies wouldn't have been sold in by September if they weren't putting this fake. Uh, oh, it's going, it's going away in March. I think it would have been. I, less. How many I think it would have been yeah, a, a I, good I amount too. less. Um, which is why Nintendo did that. Fun fact. Uh, then Paper Mario: The Origami King uh, sold just under three million units with two point eight two million. Not bad at all. Nothing to sneeze at. Uh, and then we talked about the year-over-year sales of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe being at a 145 increase. Breath of the Wild saw 114% increase. Super Mario Party, 124. Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe at 102. Super Mario Odyssey is another one at 114. Smash Bros. Ultimate at 91%. Uh, That's down 91%. Smash Bros. Oh, is the only down. game year-on-year year that went down. Wow, that's surprising. It was for me, especially considering Mary Potty's up 124%, but I guess the kids needed something to do during lockdown. Sure. I guess it's just surprising because, like, you'd think that with, like, character releases and stuff and, like, a steady stream of content that you'd see Smash go up, not down. Um, whereas a lot of these other games, like, didn't get new content or anything. But interesting. Um, so that being the only negative one, uh, not great for Smash, but all these other games... It, it really is impressive that they continue to sell year over year. And like, it's worth pointing out how atypical that is. You know, that really only happens with Nintendo games. Yeah. I mean, you buy the console and think about the games you're getting, like you, you're, you're probably going to pick up Mario Kart, Odyssey, Breath of the Wild day one, aren't you? Yeah. And then the other games, once you finish those, you might go pick up another game with Mario's face on, which are the other two that are on the list. Yeah, right, like, and it's, like, you know, most recent 2D Mario and Mario Party, you know, those are those are guaranteed sellers. People love that shit. So it makes sense. Uh, no release dates given on Bayonetta 3, Metroid Prime 4, Breath of the Wild 2, or Pokemon Snap, which is a bit of a bummer, but you gotta imagine they, you know, that's not the kind of thing that they're gonna announce in a financial report. They're gonna give it to us in a direct. It's gonna be... yeah. You but know. you know every time some investor asks the question like, yeah. uh, so what games have you got coming out? It's like, we haven't got any new news to share right now. But Nothing. it happens every every time. Yeah. Uh, so this uh, this question came, comes uh, from Twitter at Danny... Den- Denia? Danny A. Danny A? Danny A52? I don't know. At Danny A52, we're going to say. Write in and, and correct us if I'm wrong, Danny A. Uh <clears throat> what will come first, Bayonetta three or Switch Pro? I think Switch, Switch Pro. Pro. Yeah, yeah, Switch Pro. I- I'm standing by <laughs> by our our uh, prediction of Switch Pro comes out March 2021. I think so, alongside Breath of the Wild two. 
That's that's where I'm at with it right now. There's a chance that that slips to like September, maybe like holiday season. Um, but I I feel pretty confident that Breath of the Wild two and a Switch Pro are, are 2021 re- releases. Yeah, I think. Right, it's four years at that point of Switch, and four years since Breath of the Wild. It'll have been two years since we heard about Breath of the Wild sequel. I think it lines up pretty well. Uh, whereas Bayonetta. I don't know what's up with Bayonetta. Um, I like, is that even still in production at this point? It's it's mad that they've said absolutely nothing since that initial reveal from Reggie at uh, the Game Awards. Yeah, like year, literally years ago now. Um, it was year one of Switch, right? It was. it was. Yeah. So I I don't know. Like, there's a chance that something like that went belly up and whatever. But like, I I don't know. I hate talking about platinum. Because I'm such a platinum hater that I feel like anything mm-hmm. I say about them, like, you have to take with a grain of salt because I'm... Yeah, but they made Astral Chain. That came out, right? They made and Astral Chain. Successful. They re-released uh, Wonderful 101 and did a bunch of shady shit uh, in Bayonetta that process. 1 and 2, they, they really re-released those. So, they're clearly doing things, um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. They're 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 an odd duck platinum, and I, there's really nothing else I can say about them. That's nice. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, overall, I mean, great news, right? Like Nintendo's doing strong, uh, keeping keeping things rolling, and they're in a great place right now. And uh, you know, I think despite some fans' uh, displeasure at the cadence of releases this year, uh, obviously it didn't hurt them, you know, and. It, it seems like they're in a really but, strong position. Like I, my other primary console is an Xbox. What have I had this year from them? Fuck all. So like, I, I don't get it. I really don't get that argument. And everybody's look just looking over the figures, fence at Sony and being like, they had last of us and ghost and, and final yeah. fantasy. And like all of the big games this year, like, Oh, and that, um, that square Enix game, the, the Avengers game, Apparently, huge flop by the sounds of it. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, that costs like a hundred million dollars to make, and it looks like they only sold three million copies. Yeah, I mean that game should not have come out yet. (laughs) (laughs) Like even the people who like it are at that place with it, where it's like, (laughs) should have waited. Should have been more content, and also like they don't have anything to sell you. Like there's not like a good microtransactions like marketplace of things that you want which is the way that these games make money <laughs> so like i don't know what's up with that man i i think there's a really like a, a non-zero chance that that game goes free to play at some point and everybody who bought it gets like you know free legacy credit. yeah like legacy status or whatever and and they give you you know you said like free credit or like the the, the way that they did that with destiny where it's like oh you're one of the ogs and here's some swag whatever yeah. Um, I I imagine we're going to see something like that end up happening at some point. But uh, yeah, great to see it. Um, I I am really interested to see what 2021 looks like for Nintendo because I think me too. 2020 obviously was a slow year. Um, not a ton from them. I don't. I don't. I don't think it was a bad year by any stretch of the imagination. I think that the people who feel that way are probably people that don't like Animal Crossing and like have been kind of burned by that. But I don't know. You can't, you also can't necessarily expect uh, every platform to have a banger year for specifically you every single year. You know, like you need to, especially when we're thinking this is a year where they're prepping to release the next console next year. Sure. And they're going to want to keep something back for that. Yeah. If, if that is the case and they're just, cooking breath of the world 2 a little bit longer so it looks amazing and is what we want a really polished zelda game on the next generation switch it's understandable i think yeah i agree and i think like they're probably gonna you know like you said they want some bullets in the chamber when that comes out especially because they are going to be competing with new hardware and a lot of shiny new games you know like Obviously, the Series X is kind of lacking in in software at launch right now. Um, but oh, the Microsoft fanboys are going to be uh, writing you a heavily worded letter right now. 
Look, I, I, I bought a Series X. I'm I'm in on the ecosystem, so I'm allowed to talk see shit the, now. Did you see the fake um, PlayStation CEO? It was things like Bad Kaz Ferrari. Or I love that Twitter stuff. account. Yeah, he was like um, everyone saying the PS5 load times are slow. Well, the uh, Microsoft load times are slow because their their uh, uh, first party exclusive takes three months to to load, while ours only takes five seconds. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, you know, uh, and I, I don't, I don't say that to throw shade. I'm just saying, like, the the initial launch lineup is is lacking. I think it's bad on both consoles, really. If you don't like Spider Man, there's nothing really coming out day one. That's for not PlayStation. true. And I, honestly, I, I and like not to give you shit, but I, I'm like getting real sick of people saying that the PS5 launch lineup is bad. I think it's arguably the best launch lineup of any console that's not called the Nintendo Switch or a Nintendo console with, like, a fucking Mario game packaged in, you know? Um, Nintendo launch lineups are generally better than other consoles, but, like, the PS5's launch lineup is is better than any other PlayStation console. Period. Okay, so I don't want to play Spider-Man and I don't want to play uh, Demon's Souls. What is there for me to play day one? Bug Snacks, day one, and it's free. That's not that's not an exclusive. That's, a, that's available on Xbox Series X. Not day one, is it? Was at least at least is on PS4 on day one, so I can play that there, right? Well, is it y- not? Yeah, but I, I, there's no games that you can't play on PS4. I don't think so. Like, take that for what it is. But like, I don't think that that matters because like there's still new Sony stuff that runs better on PS5. You know, Demon mm-hmm. Souls is the only actual exclusive. I think I might be wrong about that, but the well, apart from Astro's Playroom, but I don't think that's, that's really. One you're buying, it's like included in the console, so you're getting it whether you want it or not. But yeah, but like to me, it's like you have Miles, you have Demon Souls, you have Bug Snacks, you have Sackboy's Adventure, you've got Astro's Playroom. That's five new games to play on on PlayStation Five day one. Like mm-hmm. that's 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 stacked. That's not a bad launch lineup by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and I didn't I didn't bring this up to talk about this. I wanted to say that they both have. Uh, that Xbox has a weaker launch lineup, and we know that Sony has a big 2021 planned. So, point being, yes. Nintendo's got to come out swinging if they want to stay as relevant in the conversation as they are right now. You know, they have to have killer apps. They have to have big, you know, game of the year. I, I wonder though, like, like how much it aligns. Does do all the players that are really excited and hyped for Demon Souls and Horizon Zero Dawn Two or Horizon Two, are they aligning with the people who are also hyped for like the next Mario Odyssey or the next Breath of the Wild? Like, I is it, am I gonna not play Breath of the Wild Two to play Horizon? Probably not. I think if you're interested in both consoles, you're probably gonna have both anyway, aren't you? Yeah, I think I think that's accurate. Um... But I, I think that that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you don't need to show up. You know, like, I think yeah. there, the argument has been made, and, and, you know, I'm not the first one to bring it up here now, that Nintendo does their own thing. They don't really compete, you know, head-to-head with Microsoft and, and Sony in the way that the, the two of them have kind of historically gone head-to-head the last two generations, right? Um, or three. What am I saying? Um, that being said, you're still competing for mind share, right? Like when we get to, you know, the the game of the years and the, you know, I have to buy a console or I don't have to, but I want to buy a console this Black Friday. Do you want to buy the Nintendo Switch, which is four years old, and you already haven't bought it, so is there? Are, are you going to buy it now, or are you going to buy the shiny new box that has the shiny new games that everyone's talking about? And I and I don't think that the Switch needs necessarily needs a hardware revision to keep up, but a new hardware revision helps a lot to get new people in Honestly, the door. Do you know what? I think if they are struggling next year, chop fifty quid off the price. It's it's not had a price cut since day right. one. We saw that on both of both Microsofts and PlayStation. Um, but you could easily just they, they must be making profit on it, and there must be a way that they they are saving money at this point because like, it can't be costing the same amount as it always has done, especially on the scale they're making these things. Yeah, it shouldn't anyway, and and they they make money on the hardware, which is not usually what you do. So I mean, that's the thing, right? Say they fifty dollar price cut 
on the base unit. They release the pro model and, you know, dorks like you and me buy a second one. And they have Breath of the Wild 2 and, you know, like a Pokemon Snap or whatever, you know, any of these other games that we don't know about that that we've been waiting on. Um, that's a strong year. And that's a year where I, I think they probably put up record numbers again. And all the fucking legacy stuff that sells year over year will continue to sell. And that's the thing is I don't I don't think they need to do a lot to keep up. But I think if they have another year in 2021 that looks like 2020, that's going to be a much tougher pill to swallow when there's brand new consoles on the market. And we get to the first, you know, big fall season of games coming out and there's, you know, a, a meaty library of new exclusives on these new boxes that are catching everyone's attention. I mean, maybe for existing players, but we've just reported that they've had the record Q2. It beat out the DS. It, it's beaten the NES. It's beaten everything they've ever done before. Profits are the highest they've ever had for a Q2. They're doing something right. Even if even if as a player, you don't feel that they've had a, a strong year and you don't like Animal Crossing and you and for that reason, you haven't really played anything this year. They're doing something right. They're sell- they've sold a crazy amount of consoles in three months. Yeah. 6.85 million. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I, I guess it's just the question of like, can you keep doing that if you're not getting those those uh, headlines with a Breath of the Wild 2 or whatever, right? Like, because that's a, that's a system seller. You know, Animal Crossing was a system seller. And that is, you can't deny that the Q2 success is is mostly from Animal Crossing. So oh absolutely that, like you thing. you can see that it definitely is I mean what is it sold uh 26 million or something right Yeah 26 million copies since April Yeah nothing nothing to sneeze at <laughs> <laughs> And you know that game's going to keep selling So yeah We'll see I'm very very excited for for 2021 I think it's going to be a banner fucking year for video games yet again which feels like insane because the last several years have been banner fucking years for video games i feel like since like 2017 i don't feel like there's been a soft year (laughs) and we used to get soft years and now it's just like oh yeah 2020 was a little slow it's like was it though (laughs) how many blockbuster fucking video games came out this year a lot a lot so it's gonna be an exciting one all right, so let's jump into the mail pot uh, before we hop out of here. We got a couple leftovers from last week that I want to make sure we get to this time around. This first one comes from Affy, who's one of our Patreon supporters who wrote into me at Pete at Lupots.com, just like you can, and said, Hey, Pete, having listened to the podcast for a while now and joining Patreon to start catching up with After Dark, I thought of a fun and possibly silly idea for the show. Never have I ever slash noob plays. So you each basically choose a game franchise that you have never played before. Mine here is Mass Effect. Wait, come back. How dare you not play Mass Effect? How dare you? Uh, yeah, but no. we've got something to talk about that on on After Dark this week. So yeah. you've got some exci- you're excited about some Mass Effect news. You got you got you got the opportunity now, after You got you got your windows open to play it. 2021. Uh, man, talk about banner fucking years for video games. 2021, yes, Mass Effect. Uh, and then you would go off and try it, and come back the following week with a new play section that is basically you talking about the game you played and your thoughts. Obviously intended as a bit of fun, but it would be a great way to encourage those backlog play dates a bit. Hope you are both staying well and staying safe. Thanks, Affy. I I love this idea. Me too. And I want to do it on Twitch though. I really want to like new play. One of us gets the other one to play a game that we missed or we absolutely love. And we like walk you through the process. Cause like, can you imagine how much easier it would have been for me if you were sat here telling me what to do while I was playing Fire Emblem and going, Oh, True. you actually need to go into the support menu and then click this and do that. And it's just like, Oh yeah, I would never want to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll definitely chew on this idea. I think there's, there's definitely something here uh, that, that I think we can, we can use. So maybe, maybe it's a podcast thing. Maybe it's like a, a Twitch YouTube type deal, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Thanks for the idea. Afi. I, I appreciate the suggestion. This next one comes from Left Eye Lazy, another one of our Patreon supporters, who says, In the year of the HD remaster, do you think nostalgia will still be a selling point in 2021? I do. Yes. Yeah, I think um, I, I think especially with the caliber of HD remasters that we've been getting lately, I, I don't I think they're here to stay. 
because I think um, you know in the like the 360 PS3 era. I think was when we really started seeing a lot of those kind of like remaster collections. And it was basically just like, here's the same game with some bells and whistles, right? Or here's the same game with uh, HD textures. Yeah. And that I think was kind of weak. But when you look at stuff like, you know, the, the crash bandicoot insane trilogy, the Spyro uh, treasure, whatever the fuck collection, um, Tony Hawk, uh, one and two, like Activision has been slaying it with those games. They sell cheap, they make a good profit, and it revived the Crash Bandicoot IP. You know, Crash Four wouldn't have existed without the Insane trilogy. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of value there. Where a you get to you know sell these low price, high reward games, but you also have the ability to you know, bring back dormant IP in a meaningful way and get new people in, in, uh, interested and invested in them, you know? And, like, uh, just, like, anecdotal, but, like, um, you know, like, I've seen either commentators who I follow or people on Twitter where it's, like, they grew up playing Tony Hawk and, like, now their kids are, are playing the remaster, you know? And it's, like, that's a whole generation that's, like, potentially turned on to the, the Tony Hawk franchise now moving forward, you know? So I think... Um, I think I think gamers in general are nostalgic and look at how excited I was for the Mass Effect collection, right? Like I think there's power in in tapping into the the memories and comfort associated with older games and, you know, um especially during like tumultuous times. And like maybe 2021 is going to look better and and uh and <laughs> We'll we'll need a little bit less nostalgia, but uh, I think I think it's going to be another tough year. I really do. So I think I think people are going to be eager to retreat into those childhood memories as much as they can. No, I agree with you. And if anything, we've got like the other six parts of Final Fantasy VII Remake where people can finally leave Midgar. So uh, we've at least got that on the table. So. I think Final Fantasy people have at least got something to look forward to. But I do also think though that maybe we'll see a little bit fewer a fewer of these re- remakes or remasters for the the next generation because think from PS3 to PS4 for example they did a lot of these like um they did uncharted they did um the last of us i think we saw bioshock we saw a lot of those but from PS4 to PS5 and Xbox 1 to Xbox Series S or X it seems like they're just going to be doing the smart delivery or it automatically gets a boost or the frame rate's already better because the the hardware's just there and it's optimized for it so i can maybe see that we'll get fewer of them from last gen but it is time i think that a lot of those games that were lost in the PS1 and PS2 era because no one wants to go back and play those games at this point because they they don't feel great. The camera might be dodgy. The performance isn't great, or it just it just feels old. Bringing those into this generation is awesome, and I think that's what a lot of people were wanting from the All Stars trilogy was a sixty four in the Odyssey engine. And I still think that would sell like crazy if they ever did sixty four in the Odyssey engine. Um, yeah. But at this point, I don't think it's coming. I, I'm just ready for the next the next Mario three D game. To be honest, give me Odyssey two, man. I'd happily play a, an Odyssey sequel. Uh, this next one comes from Snackago, a.k.a. Zade, another one of our Patreon supporters. He says, what's your guilty pleasure title? By that, I mean a title that you come back to, say, once a year. Mine has got to be the Jack and Daxter trilogy. Have to do it once a year. Bring me back to the good old days before 2020 happened. <laughs> Very appropriate question after the remastered yeah. title. Um, I think with specifically the that uh, caveat, my answer is is got to be Pokemon. You know, it's like Pokemon Showdown is something that I play off and on at all times. So it's not quite the same, but I think the only other game I can think of. No, you know, this would this would qualify. League of Legends is another one where like there are a few weeks a year where I will play League no matter what, you know, like. Yeah. And I used to play it all the time. And I'm not there now, but, like, this week I was talking about, you know, with you earlier how I've kind of been, like, 
in between games and I haven't necessarily been super motivated to do that. So like uh, the other night, like I played league for like four or five hours while I was watching, uh, you know, like whatever in the background, I think it was Brooklyn nine, nine, something like that. Um, so like, that's, that's one for me. I leagues, a game I always go back to. And like, if I ever have a friend who hits me up and it's like, yo, you want to play a game of league? I'm like, yep, let's go. <laughs> for me, I think it's either going to be something like, I, I don't really have one I go to every year, but I have a bunch that I on I, I constantly go back to. So something like Diablo or the Toy Story 2. I was PS1 just about game. to say that as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Toy Story 2. <laughs> classic comes out all the time or something like um skyrim or oblivion one of the elder scrolls games or uh fallout i really like um bethesda's rpgs i constantly go back to those good answers all right our last question of the day comes from another one of our patreon supporters the tyler olsen who says would you rather owe tom nook a debt or deal with having to live with the voice of waluigi (laughs) <laughs> oh, this is easy. Tom Nook a debt because he never comes to collect it. I just yeah. can pay him back whenever I want. I totally And then agree. I'll have a house. It's like, here's your house. You now owe me for 1.5 million. It's like, yeah, whatever. I'm never paying that back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what's he going to do? He, nothing ever. So fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll owe him a debt. He's like, that's always been uh, the thing I struggle with the most. Like when people talk shit about Tom Nook. Granted, the original Animal Crossing, he's pretty, he's pretty seedy. So I get where he got yeah. that reputation. But like the dude gives he doesn't even know you, just gives you a okay, place. Yeah, but think about this instance in in uh, New Horizons. You've paid him to go on holiday, then he's basically asking you to go and tidy up the island, put everyone in their tents, get everyone accustomed, and you're like, "I'm a paying customer. What the fuck, dude?" And then he's just like, "Oh, and if you want to live here forever, you're going to owe me loads of money, and I'm not taking you home unless you pay me." I'll give well, I think you're allowed to leave. I don't think you are. How do I go? How do I leave? Well, that, that, well, fair <laughs> There's enough. no way to leave. Fair it's enough. Like I, I, <laughs> I'm stuck on the island. I've got to do all this work for free. And then on top of that, I've got to pay him money. Yeah, you're right. It's a, it's like, very, it's a little surfish, you know, <laughs> the land, uh, the Lord of the land, as it were. I think I'd still go with that other than having to talk like this all the time. Yeah, big time. (laughs) My podcasting career would just be over. (laughs) Yeah, and you'll you'll never ever get to be in a video game because Waluigi doesn't, so. (sighs) What a dig. All right. Well, thank you to everybody who wrote in for our mail pot this week. Remember, if you want to get your thoughts right on the air, you can join our Discord. Shoot me an email at Pete at Lupots.com or uh, get us on Twitter where we have our weekly thread go up and we ask for questions. Uh, it's worth following us over there. We don't tweet that often. Turn notifications on. You'll catch it. All right. So that wraps it up for this episode of the podcast. Thank you to everybody who uh, joined, wrote in. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you'll head over to patreon.com. And uh, for just a buck, you'll be able to jump into this week's episode of After Dark, where we're going to talk about stuff. Okay. We'll catch you next time.